Section 11 of Shen of the Sea, a book for children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shen of the Sea, a book for children, by Arthur Bowie Chrisman. Acha the Sleeper Years ago in southern China lived a boy, Acha by name. Acha was an orphan, but not according to rule. A most peculiar orphan was he. It is usual for orphans to be very, very poor. That is the worldwide custom. Acha, on the contrary, was quite wealthy. He owned seven farms, with seven times seven horses to draw the plough. He owned seven mills, with plenty of breezes to spin them. Furthermore, he owned seven thousand pieces of gold and a fine white cat. The farms of Acha were fertile, were wide. His horses were brisk in the furrow. His mills never lacked for grain nor wanted for wind. And his gold was good sharp gold, with not so much as a trace of copper. Surely few orphans have been better provided for than the youth named Acha. And what a busy person was this Acha! His bed was always cold when the sun arose. Early in the morning he went from field to field, from mill to mill, urging on the people who worked for him. The setting sun always found him on his feet, hastening from here to there, persuading his laborers to more gainful efforts. And the moon of midnight often discovered him pushing up and down the little teakwood balls of a counting board, or else threading cash, placing coins upon a string. Eight farms, nine farms he owned, and more stout horses. Ten mills, eleven, another white cat. It was Acha's ambition to become the richest person in the world. They who worked for the wealthy orphan were inclined now and then to grumble. Their pay was not beggarly, but how they did toil to earn that pay which was not beggarly. It was go and go and go, said the ancient woman Nu Wu, who worked with a rake in the field. Our master drives us as if we were a fox and he were hares in the open. Round the field and round and round, hurry, always hurry, said Hu Shu, her husband, who bound the grain into sheaves. Not hares, but horses. We are driven like the horses of Lung Quan, who... It's a long story. But Acha, approaching the murmurers, said... Pray be so good as to hurry, most excellent Nuwu, for the clouds gather blackly with thunder. And to the scowling husband he said, Speed your work, I beg you, honorable Hushu, for the grain must be under shelter before the smoke of evening rice ascends. When Acha had eaten his evening rice, he took lantern and entered the largest of his mills. A scampering rat drew his attention to the floor. There he beheld no less than a score of rats, some gazing at him as if undecided whether to flee or continue the feast, others gnawing, and who are you nibbling and caring not? And only a few short whisker lengths away sat an enormous cat, sleeping the sleep of a mossy stone. The cat was black in color, black as a crow's wing dipped in pitch upon a night of inky darkness. That describes her coat. Her face was somewhat more black. Acha had never before seen her. She was not his cat. But his or not, he thought it a trifle unreasonable of her to sleep while the rats held high carnival. The rats romped between her paws. Still she slept. It angered Acha. 
The lantern rays fell on her eyes. Still she slept. Acha grew more and more provoked. He decided then and there to teach the cat that this mill was no place for sleepyheads. Accordingly, he seized an empty grain sack and hurled it with such exact aim that the cat was sent heels overhead. "'There, old couch by the hole,' said Acha in a tone of wrath. "'Remember your painting ear and be more vigilant.' But the cat had no sooner regained her feet than she changed into new woo, changed into new woo, the old woman who worked in the fields, a witch. What business she had in the mill is a puzzle. However, it is undoubtedly true that mills hold grain, and grain is worth money, and that may be an explanation. Her sleepiness is no puzzle at all. No wonder she was sleepy after working so hard in the field the day's length through. The anger of Nu Wu was fierce and instant. She wagged a crooked finger at Ah Cha, screeching, Oh, you cruel money-grubber! Because you fear the rats will eat a pennyworth of grain, you must beat me with bludgeons. You make me work like a slave all day and wish me to work all night. You beat me and disturb my slumber. Very well. Since you will not let me sleep, I shall cause you to slumber eleven hours out of every dozen. Close your eyes. She swept her wrinkled hand across Acha's face. Again taking the form of a cat, she bounded downstairs. She had scarce reached the third step descending when Acha felt a compelling desire for sleep. It was as if he had taken a gum of the white poppy flower, as if he had tasted honey of the gray moon blossom. Eyes half-closed, he stumbled into a grain bin. His knees doubled beneath him. Down he went, curled like a dormouse, like a dormouse he slumbered. From that hour began a change in Acha's fortune. The spell gripped him fast. Nine-tenths of his time was spent in sleep. Unable to watch over his laborers, they worked when they pleased, which was seldom. They idled when so inclined, and that was often and long. Furthermore, they stole in a manner most shameful. Acha's mills became empty of grain, his fields lost their fertility, his horses disappeared, strayed, so it was said. Worse yet, the unfortunate fellow was summoned to a magistrate's yamen, there to defend himself in a lawsuit. A neighbor declared that Acha's huge black cat had devoured many chickens. There were witnesses who swore to the deed. They were sure, one and all, that Acha's black cat was the cat at fault. Acha was sleeping too soundly to deny that the cat was his, so the magistrate could do nothing less than make the cat's owner pay damages, with all costs of the lawsuit. Thereafter, trials at court were a daily occurrence. A second neighbor said that Acha's black cat had stolen a flock of sheep. Another complained that the cat had thieved from him a herd of fattened bullocks. Worse and worse grew the charges, and no matter how absurd, Acha, sleeping in the prisoner's cage, always lost and had to pay damages. His money soon passed into others' hands. His mills were taken from him. His farms went to pay for the lawsuits. Of all his wide lands, there remained only one little acre, and it was grown up in worthless bushes. Of all his goodly buildings, 
there was left one little hut where the boy spent most of his time, in which imposed slumber. Now, nearby, in the mountain of huge rocks piled, lived a greatly ferocious long, or as foreigners would say, a dragon. This immense beast, from tip of forked tongue to end of his shadow, was far longer than a barn. With the exception of length, he was much the same as any other long. His head was shaped like that of a camel, his horns were deer horns. He had bulging rabbit eyes, a snake neck. Upon his many ponderous feet were tiger claws, and the feet were shaped very like sofa cushions. He had walrus whiskers and a breath of red and blue flame. His voice was like the sound of a hundred brass kettles pounded. Black fish scales covered his body, black feathers grew upon his limbs. Because of his color, he was sometimes called Oolong. From that, it would seem that Oo means neither white nor pink. The black Luong was not regarded with any great esteem. His habit of eating a man, two men if they were little, every day made him rather unpopular. Fortunately, he prowled only at night. Those folk who went to bed decently at nine o'clock had nothing to fear. Those who rambled well along toward midnight often disappeared with a sudden and complete thoroughness. As everyone knows, cats are much given to night skulking. The witch cat, New Wu, was no exception. Midnight often found her miles afield. On such a midnight, when she was roving in the form of a hag, what should she approach but the black dragon? Instantly the Luong scented prey, and instantly he made for the old witch. There followed such a chase as was never on land or sea, up hill and down dale, by stream and wood and fallow. The catwoman flew, and the dragon coursed after. The witch soon failed of breath. She panted, she wheezed, she stumbled on a bramble, and a claw slashed through her garments. Too close for comfort. The harried witch changed shape to a cat, and bounded off afresh, half a lee at every step. The Luong increased his pace and soon was close behind, gaining. For a most peculiar fact about the Luong is that the more he runs, the easier his breath comes, and the swifter grows his speed. Hence it is not surprising that his fiery breath was presently singeing the witch-cat's back. In a twinkling, the cat altered form once more, and as an old hag she scuttled across a turnip-field. She was merely an ordinary powerful witch. She possessed only the two forms, cat and hag. Nor did she have any gift of magic to baffle or cripple the hungry black long. Nevertheless, the witch was not despairing. At the edge of the turnip field lay Acha's miserable patch of thick bushes. So thick were the bushes as to be almost a wall against the hag's passage. As a hag, she could have no hope of entering such a thicket. But as a cat she could race through without hindrance, and the dragon would be sadly bothered in following. Scheming thus, the witch dashed under the bushes, a cat once more. Acha was aroused from slumber by the most outrageous noise that had ever assailed his ears. There was such a snapping of bushes, such an awful bellowed screeching that even the dead of a century must have heard. The usually sound-sleeping Acha was awakened at the outset. He soon realized how matters stood, or ran. Luckily, 
he had heard of the only reliable method for frightening off the dragon. He opened his door and hurled a red, a green, and a yellow firecracker in the monster's path. In through his barely open door, the witch cat dragged her exhausted self. I don't see why you couldn't open the door sooner, she scolded, changing into a hag. I circled the hut three times before you had the gumption to let me in. I'm very sorry, good mother. I was asleep, from Acha. Well, don't be so sleepy again, scowled the witch, or I'll make you suffer. Get me food and drink. Again, honored lady, I'm sorry. So poor am I that I only have water for drink. My food is the leaves and roots of bushes. No matter. Get what you have. And quickly. Acha reached outside the door and stripped a handful of leaves from a bush. He plunged the leaves into a kettle of hot water and signified that the meal was prepared. Then he lay down to doze, for he had been awake fully half a dozen minutes, and the desire to sleep was returning stronger every moment. The witch soon supped and departed, without leaving so much as half a thank you. When Acha awoke again, his visitor was gone. The poor boy flung another handful of leaves into his kettle and drank quickly. He had good reason for haste. Several times he had fallen asleep with the cup at his lips, a most unpleasant situation, and scalding. Having taken several sips, Acha stretched him out for a resumption of his slumber. Five minutes passed. Ten minutes. Fifteen. Still, his eyes failed to close. He took a few more sips from the cup and felt more awake than ever. I do believe, said Acha, that she has thanked me by bewitching my bushes. She has charmed the leaves to drive away my sleepiness. And so she had. Whenever Acha felt tired and sleepy, and at first that was often, he had only to drink of the bewitched leaves. At once his drowsiness departed. His neighbors soon learned of the bushes that banished sleep. They came to drink of the magic brew. There grew such a demand that Acha decided to set a price on the leaves. Still the demand continued. More bushes were planted. Money came. Throughout the province, people called for the drink of Acha. In time, they shortened it by asking for Acha's drink, then for Cha's drink, and finally for Cha. And that is its name at present, Cha, or Te, or Tea, as some call it. And one kind of tea is still called Oolong, Black Dragon. End of section 11